In the beginning, God created. In the beginning was the Word. God created the heavens and the earth, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The earth was without form. The Word was in the beginning with God. The world was without form and void, but all things were made through the word, and without the word, nothing was made that has been made. Now darkness was over the face of the deep. In the word was life, and that life was the light of men. Now the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I wonder how long we could intersperse John 1 and Genesis 1. I'm sure you picked up on that a little bit there. You could just take each verse of Genesis 1 and shove one of the verses of John 1 right in the middle, and it would be like it it was made for that, right? In the beginning... When you hear those words, your mind should automatically go back to Genesis 1. But today we don't go back to that beginning. Today we have a new beginning. That's why we love Christmas, isn't it? Not just because, well, in the middle of the darkness, the days start to get longer, but because something better has come. Something better than even was there in the beginning. Something better than Eden, something better than Adam, something better than how it all began. Today we celebrate, we celebrate this new beginning. Christmas is all about creation. And when I say creation, I mean a new creation. He by whom all things were made, without whom nothing was made that has been made, has come into what he made in order to remake it. Now just think of that original creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? That's the first verse of scripture. Then it goes on to say that things weren't quite perfect. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, but he didn't make them all completed all at once. He did that with heaven, but on earth, he had a plan. He wanted to take his time. He wanted to be methodical about things. And so it was that the earth was without form, was void, and was dark. And throughout that first week of creation, through those six days, what did God do? He took what was formless, he took what was void, he took what was dark, and he made it light. He made it full, he gave it form, he made more light, he made more form, he made it even fuller. And on the seventh day, the Lord God rested from all his labors. He rested in light. What was formless, what was void, what was dark had become lit. It had become full. It had become formed. And at the pinnacle of that first creation, God made this strange creature, man. Come, let us make man in our image, says the word. Come, let us make man in our image. And remember, nothing that has been made was made apart from the word. And so Adam was made in the image of the word. And that means that Adam was made to speak. 
This is one of the things, there's others, but this is one of the things that separates us from the elephant and from the donkey and from the lamb and from, what else is over there, the ox. Next year, we're going to have even more. I told everybody last night, bring all of your animals. We want a menagerie up here next year. But one of the things that is different about man than all of the beasts is that we speak. It is man's place in the world to give word to things. Now, the animals have their own way of speaking, don't they? The whales sing in the deep, and the elephants trumpet in the safari, and the lambs bleat. Is it bleating? Yes, the lambs bleat, I think, in the farm. But it is man who puts everything into word. Adam was made to sum up all of the praises of the animals, to sum up all of the praises of God's whole creation. That was Adam's purpose there in the garden. He was the one who was going to give voice back to God. The word sounded out into the world, and through Adam and Eve, that word would echo back to God. He was the wordy creature, you might say. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle to put things into word. Maybe that's hard to believe since my whole kind of purpose here is to be a preacher, but there are times where I just can't seem to find the right words. There are times where you want to say something to someone, where something is so meaningful, something is so wonderful that you want, but you can't. The words just don't come, right? And then you hear something, maybe it's one of the hymns on Christmas, preachers are kind of redundant on Christmas morning, what can I say that hasn't already been said and better in the hymns, but you hear something put to word, and you're like, yes, that's it, that's exactly what I meant to say, that's exactly what I wanted to say. Sometimes it could be very profound, it could be a beautiful poem, and sometimes it could be something simply as plain and ordinary as Merry Christmas. Sometimes the shortest words are the best words. Sometimes the longest words are the best words too. But this is all part of how God has designed us. In the image of the word, we are the wordy creatures. And so we go to great lengths to find just the right words to say just the right thing at just the right time. That was Adam's purpose there in the beginning, to give word, to give expression to everything that the world around him was singing. But see, what God had progressed through in creation, sin has regressed. God made a world that was formless and void and dark, and then he formed it and filled it and lit it. And now sin does just the opposite. Sin undoes God's creation. Sin is not simply, oops, I broke a rule. Oh, I guess I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. When we sin, we are taking God's good creation and we are thrusting it backwards We are undoing everything that he has done. And so you know full well, don't you, what sin is like. It is like darkness. There is no light in sin. Sin is not full. Sin, when we fall into sin, it does not bear all kinds of good fruit. It is not fruitful and multiplying in a good way. It is multiplying in a bad way. And sin, sin is always void and deformed. It is not beautiful. It is not something to be proud of. It is not something to boast of, as if we wanted to put all of our sins in the light and say, look at what I've done. Isn't it great? When Adam sinned, he was taking that whole world around him, and instead of putting it into word of praise, 
he put it into an insult to God. And ever since then, we have struggled, haven't we, to put things to the right word. Sin robs us of our speech. Sin robs us of our ability to praise God like we should. We're like little children before him. We're stuttering and we're stammering and we're lisping and we can't quite put into words all the things that we should say because sin has thrust us backwards. And so Jesus has come to right the ship. Jesus has come into our sin-regressed world to bring it back the way it should be, and not just to put things back how they were. Jesus' mission is not simply to say, let's get it back to how it was in Eden. Jesus does something even greater. Jesus does something even better. He who was in the beginning, without whom nothing was made that has been made, he has come into what he has made in order to make it even better. I don't know how many of you like to go outdoors, but there's kind of this saying, uh, if you go hiking, to leave no trace, right? And it's a good idea when it comes to conservation, when it comes to public land, you shouldn't leave a trace. You don't want to leave anything except footprints, we say, right? Well, Jesus doesn't have that mentality when it comes to his mission in this world. Jesus does not come into this world to leave no trace. Jesus does not come into this world to leave nothing but footprints. Jesus comes and he says, I want to leave a mark. I'm going to change everything. I'm going to take what has become formless and void and dark, and I'm going to form it, I'm going to fill it, and I am going to make it light. And the way Jesus makes it light is the way Adam was supposed to. Adam was supposed to speak words of light, words of beauty. That's what Jesus comes and he does. Jesus comes to us in our darkness and this little baby born in a manger, this little baby who the whole world ignored, right? He came to his own people and his own people did not receive him. From him shines light. The light that Jesus brings is the light of God. It said it this way at the end of your gospel reading this morning, no one has ever seen God, the Father, but the only begotten God, the Son, has made him, the Father, known. The first thing that Jesus brings to light, the first thing that Jesus brings to speech is God the Father. When you see Jesus, when you hear Jesus, when you hear all about Jesus, you are hearing all about the Father. Now think of how important that is. We are made for God, right? We were made to be in communion with God. And you can have the most successful, the most fulfilling life, but if you don't know God, you haven't done anything, have you? Jesus comes and he says, let me show you the Father. Let me bring the Father to word, I think about how special that is. If we weren't able to speak about God, it's like what I was saying before, you know, you struggle to put things into words. I want to say something, but I uh, can't quite. Uh. Jesus comes and he never struggles with his words. He doesn't lisp. He doesn't stammer. He doesn't stutter. Jesus comes and he says, let me show you the Father. Let me show you everything about the Father. And what he shows you, what he brings to word is the God of grace and mercy and truth. He doesn't come and show you an angry, vengeful father. He doesn't come and show you some kind of fickle God like the Greeks believed in. He doesn't come and show you some kind of apathetic, some kind of deadbeat dad. He comes and shows you your loving father. And once that has come to word, guess what happens? 
Once you have come to know the Father and his mercy and his grace and his love, then you know how to answer, don't you? You know how to speak about him to other people all around you, and, and you are given the words to speak back to him. What a terrible thing if you couldn't talk to your dad, right? It is one of the saddest things when a father and his son are divided from each other by some kind of sin, by some kind of irreparable break. It's one of the biggest tragedies, I think, in the world. But when a son can speak to his father, when a son can be with his father and speak freely with his dad, what a beautiful thing that is. What a wonderful thing that is. And that is what Jesus has come to bring for you. That is the new creation that he brings about for you. He gives you the words to speak to God truly and rightly, not to make things up. Well, maybe God is like, I don't know, this. Or maybe God is like, I don't know, that. People do that all the time. They say the weirdest things about God. Jesus comes to give you the right words. He comes to make you little Adams and little Eves who speak back to God words of beauty, words of praise, words of love. You are the wordy creatures after all. And this is the mark that Jesus leaves in this world. He comes not to leave no footprints, but he comes to take you, each and every one of you in this room today, and to change you to make you full, to make you formed, to bring you to light. And when you are full and formed and in the light of Jesus Christ, then you have words to speak. Then you have a song in your mouth. Then you have something to say, not only to the world all around you, but you have something to say back to your Father. It's why we sing at Christmas so much, isn't it? It's why we love to sing at Christmas. Christmas is all about creation, not the original creation, but this new creation. For Jesus has come to give you a new birth, a new start, to put a new word in your mouth, a song of praise and thanksgiving and rejoicing. We see in him our Father, so that seeing in him these things that are unseen, we may love them all the more. To Christ be the glory now and always. Amen.